It is the 200 level episode 338, two out of three, ain't bad. Borrowing a meatloaf song title for what was overall a really good 24 hours for Illinois basketball, but not great, and we'll get to why that is in just a bit, but let's start with the big news from yesterday and something that really changed the trajectory of the season because it was kind of hanging in the balance. I think that this last six, more than a month, it was about six weeks of waiting, which is the last time we did a podcast. We, we've just been waiting here. And all the tidbits that you get from message boards and uh, word of mouth and, oh, I heard this, it's trending this way, it's trending that way. Finally, we have resolution, most of which is good. Beginning with Terrence Shannon. Now, last year, I often, uh, I don't want to say, how would I phrase it? I think my expectations for Terrence and our expectations for Terrence were higher than he sometimes performed early in games. And then we saw the Alpha Dog come out in the second half, and this is a huge addition just by retaining him for an extra year. It's more than most any other team got in the transfer portal this offseason, right? I mean, just by bringing him back for the fifth year that no one anticipated he would actually take us up on. So that is a major win for Brad Underwood that raises that floor immensely for this team. Listening to Jeremy and Derek's podcast yesterday, and they had Mike Latulip on for a little bit, they mentioned the Bart Torvik scores and how we jumped from, let's say, 51 all the way to 26 just by adding Terrence Shannon Jr., and then you get Coleman Hawkins, which bumped it up even more. But next year's team is going to go where Terrence Shannon goes. And while he did score 17 points a game last year, I think that there were some of the intangible things that left us wanting in certain key points of the season. What started off just red hot, scorching hot first month of the year, there was a lull for Terrence in mid-December through mid-January. There was an injury that he had to, kind of had to play through. But then late in the season, the second halves and overtimes against Northwestern, against Michigan, you saw this explosiveness that very few other players in the Big Ten could match. And for the most part in that second half of the tournament game against Arkansas, he looked as good as anybody on Arkansas. And I couldn't say that for many Illinois players. Terrence belonged out there in a way it kind of reminded me of Richard Mendenhall in the Rose Bowl. You knew that he belonged. It was hard to say for the rest of the team against Pete Carroll's five-star-laden USC Trojan roster, but Terrence belonged, just like Richard belonged on that day. So you bring him back, and instantly you are a top-25 caliber team. I think that Terrence is clearly a likable guy, a nice guy, but there needs to be more leadership next year. And while I think... Jeremy and Derek, who have their fingers on the pulse, are optimistic that he can kind of take the reins a little bit. Maybe losing a Matt Meyer lets Terrence just kind of feel less encumbered for whatever reason. But while I would agree that he's probably capable of it, I still need to see it. So the things, the questions with Terrence are not so much the game. It's the intangible qualities. And if he can somehow shoulder that load a little bit, and he's getting plenty of help this year from a really veteran, deep roster, which we'll get into later, that I think Brad Underwood's done a great job assembling for the most part. You have so many smart basketball players around you, unlike last year. And maybe Terrence felt a little bit of fatigue or just kind of running up against a wall at a certain point because, let's be honest, last year's team, not the sharpest knives in the shed when it comes to basketball IQ, and it really showed as the Big Ten season wore on. So... That's number one. Coleman announces later last night. Coleman is a mercurial figure. And I think the reason why 
is that as far as his performance goes, it can be a little bit erratic. He is kind of like almost a Muppet out there. He's just kind of flailing, running around. Um, He's got a big personality, obviously. It's someone that it took me a while to warm up to. You guys all know that. The ones that have listened to this podcast know that I've just had issues with sustained sloppy play. But then in February, we really saw Coleman start to hone in on what he's good at. And then he took another step, becoming a vocal leader, sort of speaking to the frustrations that I think the fan base had with last year's team. And I think that endeared him more to this fan base than anything he'd done before. Well, the block against Chattanooga was pretty big because he would have lost that game otherwise, maybe. And he was really big in helping you win a Big Ten title his sophomore year. But I think getting Coleman back, I am excited to see him, again, less encumbered by all the noise and toxicity that was last year's team. We are speculating a bit if we say that last year's roster was toxic. But with the guys that left... Um, and with the Matthew Meyer situation, just all the weirdness surrounding that, don't you think that there was just a little bit of, oh, can we just end this season and move on? I'm sure the Coleman and Terrence were thinking that it speaks loudly that they decided or elected to come back to Illinois. They had other options. They could have entered the transfer portal. I'm sure that we ponied up, and I I think the name, image, likeness stuff is only going to benefit Illinois because our fans are nuts, and these collectives are doing such a good job. But it does say something, that they are coming back to play for Brad Underwood. And what today's episode is going to be about is mostly the good, the, the known good about the Brad Underwood program and why we have reasons to be excited in a way that we didn't for the 10, 15 years before that. But there are still a few remaining questions, not the least of which is point guard, which did not go Illinois' way today. And uh, I think that I'm going to try to broach this carefully because there are certain personal aspects of Brad Underwood that I still have questions about. I I think the win-loss record speaks for itself, but if we're really trying to kind of simplify this argument and why there's any question at all about anything, it's March. And before we hit the sponsors, I I think that one big benefit of yesterday, getting Terrence and Coleman back, regardless of the Ray J thing not going your way, it's another put up or shut up year for Illinois basketball. And I kind of like that. I like entering an offseason and then finally entering the season in November thinking you got to do something in March. It has to be better than how it has been. And that you have a roster capable of doing that. Even as presently constructed, you have a roster capable of doing that. And to me, that allows a little bit of sit back, relax, and let this team try to find their way to that elusive late season success. They do that, and it is a successful year. What? Is this year six for Brad Underwood? Wow. It'd be a very successful year six. All that they got to do is make a little noise in March. Everything else is just sort of make the tournament and see what else shakes out. I think they can accomplish more. I think there'll be players in the Big Ten, but uh, we'll get into the roster as is presently constructed and what they need to do next. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DPDO online at dpdo.com for all the best deals and prices dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So if you are, you know, hungry for a, a lunch, 
business lunch. Maybe you order some calzones for wherever you're working at or a late night snack. DPDO is the way to go. You can go online to dpdo.com and order. I'm oh, sorry, guys. One sec here. You can go online to dpdo.com and order any custom zone with any topping you want or one of their favorites. That's dpdo.com. All right. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. Life, auto, home, business renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. We'll see if Brian can't get on some of the podcast later in the fall. Maybe we can get Isaac back as well. Um, we'll do Trevor every now and then. We'll, we'll start bringing them back in as we get the fall. And I think I'll hit up Illinois football real quick after the sponsor break here. Finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing. And as you might have noticed, it is scorching hot. They just came in to do an AC check on us about a week and a half ago. Perfect timing. It is running tip-top shape. And we plan on making Dogtown our annual furnace and AC check place. So you can give them a call today at 217-841-4728. That's 217-841-4728. Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Finally, got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network for partnering with the 200 level. Football real quick. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. It will be a basketball podcast, but a couple of game times announced yesterday, both of which are exciting. You open the season against Toledo on September 2nd at 6.30. Primetime Big Ten Network. Is it the biggest matchup of the weekend? Not by any stretch. But Toledo, not a bad MAC team. In fact, I think they might be favored to win the MAC or be towards the top. So not a gimme per se, but I like the night game for the first weekend of the season. Any win would feel good. And I would anticipate a pretty good turnout for it. Some ticket specials, things like that on Labor Day weekend. Then Penn State, two weeks later, you got the big noon kickoff on Fox. That means Urban Meyer, Gus Johnson, what is it, Matt Leinert, Reggie Bush, they're all going to be in town. Is it game day, like Trevor was texting us last night? Is it game day? No, but that's a pretty big deal and shows the impact that last year's team had on shaping the perception of Illinois football. And I have said this many times, and I remain steadfast in my optimism for this season. I think that they are capable of winning the Big Ten West. Of course, the questions are obvious in the quarterback position and running back, but I really think everything else, secondary, duh. But you still return more than any other team in the Big Ten West, and I just trust the coaching staff in a way that I have not trusted any Illinois football coaching staff in my life. I am not at all feeling that, uh uh-oh, you had a year of success, you're going to follow it up with a stinker. We are used to that. We are totally used to that with Illinois football, but I think you need to look at the overall trend line of how this football program is performing on a week-in, week-out basis. I don't see the bottom falling out, knock on wood, and I expect a really good season, beginning with a win against Toledo on opening night. Okay, back to basketball. Real quick, a couple things here uh, from Jay. To me, Shannon is way more of a surprise than Hawkins coming back. Jay, no doubt, as Shannon was... According to reports, working out for the Magic and trying to get some sort of you know, locked-in feeling about that 36 pick in the draft. And for whatever reason, he didn't feel confident enough to stick with that. So Shannon was, in fact, a top 40 pick, which I did not necessarily feel he was at the end of the year. And I'm totally a draft novice, but it just felt like the shot wasn't there enough. He can only go left still for the most part. And that if teams are kind of clogging the lane, he's going to have an issue getting there. Now, his role on an NBA team would not be the star. And I think that his size and athleticism 
of course he has a place in the NBA in some way, shape, or form. But I think we lucked out a little bit. And, Jay, it just immensely changes the complexion for next season. I think with Illinois basketball, you just want to build on success. You want to stack good years. And I think that next year's team will be good yet again. The question is, how good? And with Shannon and Hawkins back in the fold, I want to touch on the other additions you made this offseason that give me a lot of encouragement. Quincy Guerrier. If I'm saying that right, I think it is a French kind of pronunciation. But you finally got him after many years of trying to get him here. He went to Syracuse and then Oregon and now is finishing up his college career at Illinois. And I really am intrigued by the fit because he is someone that if Coleman didn't come back, you would have just slotted Quincy in that spot. He does different things. He's more of a big per se than Coleman. In other words, he plays more like a power forward and Coleman's kind of a jack of all trades. But he can get a bit of a three-point shot off. And he's got size and length and athleticism. He's just a really strong addition that I don't want to say we were sleeping on, but in the Shannon Hawkins, Ray J sweepstakes, I think it's gotten kind of lost that Quincy Guerrier is a really good addition, just like Marcus Domask from Southern Illinois. When I see those two guys, uh, you know, Marcus Domask coming from a smaller school, smaller conference, you might question, can he make that leap? But he just screams to me, and I'm pretty sure Wisconsin was in on that recruitment, He just screams, really smart basketball player. High IQ, good passer, someone that you can really slot in and not worry about him disrupting the chemistry. And really just, I think offensively is what we got to focus on. Last year's offense was a drag for extended portions. And there was just no fluidity. I look at a guy like Damask and think that this is someone that can play within almost any offensive system keep it moving nice and smooth. Even though he's not a point guard, he is, I think, a a very valuable addition in terms of just overall ball movement and and, and just kind of a cohesiveness on the offensive side, which we were so sorely lacking. So those two right there, I think, are the big two pieces in terms of new faces. Justin Harmon is an interesting pick, kind of like a a home run hitter off the bench, I suppose, that he might have a 15-point game this year, and he might have some games where he gets zero. It's hard to say. Maybe I'm sleeping on him. I, I like the pick, though, overall, because it did fill a need for someone that could maybe hit you a couple threes in a game when you needed it off the bench. But you can't really count on him being a point guard. Um, maybe not the biggest guy either in terms of size. But still, you know, when that's the third best guy that you got in the transfer portal, I want to see if I'm forgetting anyone else. And chat window, help me out if I'm missing. But Garrier, Domask, and Harmon. Now you get Hawkins and Shannon back as well. When you think about this roster currently, the the keys to me are going to be Ty Rogers still. And I'm actually going to say Dane Danger. Let me start with Ty. Ty, I think, is the potential breakout player, and that's going to be everyone's sexy pick for the big sophomore jump. Now, that would be something we did not see last year from R.J. Melendez, right? You were waiting for that sophomore jump. Didn't happen. Uh, Luke Goody, injury prone, right? So I look at Ty Rogers as someone that because he can act a little bit as a point forward and he's a pretty good facilitator in his own right, he will get tick. And he does all the little things and he's a great rebounder and a really good defender. He came on strong last year and I'm, I would not be surprised if he's starting this year. I think him and Dane Danger are the two returning pieces that if they make a jump, everything kind of changes because Dane Danger, you saw it early. The footwork is incredible. His hands are great. He just had this weird lull where it's like he forgot to play defense or something. 
and that really kind of infected his performance on offense in a really negative way. Those two guys make steps this year. I think that you are looking at a very good team, regardless of point guard. But without a point guard, you are severely limited. And we need to talk about that. The R.J. Dennis thing, okay, fine. Uh, he goes to Baylor. I cannot blame him. What factors would have been involved? I'm, I, I think we can keep it kind of simple here. Baylor is in the college basketball landscape, a better program than you, and that's no shade on Illinois. The primary difference between Baylor and Illinois right now is probably not NIL money because it sounds like Illinois had plenty of that and still does. And we will continue to have all that, which is a major plus being an Illini fan right now. But we don't have tournament success, and I think that did come home to roost a little bit. If you're looking at the cell for Scott Drew, who won a title a couple years ago, and a Brad Underwood, who is still searching for the second weekend as a coach, not just Illinois, but as a coach in general. I, I can't help but think that that played a bit of a role. And this is where what we saw yesterday or in the last 24 hours was a very good 24 hours. But short of a point guard, I can't say it was perfect for sure. And it's difficult for me to even say great because you are so hamstrung if you don't have a true facilitator out there. Now, you're a little bit up against it. There are probably grad transfers that you wave a little bit of NIL money around. Some of these grad kids are going to say, hey, I wasn't thinking about moving on, but if Illinois is open, maybe I will. I would not be surprised if names emerge in the next few days. This is just how it works, and I think Brad Underwood can play that game pretty well. History would suggest that he can. But I also think it's fair to question, why did we get in this position in the first place? How... Are we this late in the game without a point guard? It feels a little bit, and I'm not at all drawing comparisons between Gross and Underwood. One has had immensely more success than the other. But does it not feel a little bit like we might end up with our next version of Tijon Lucas for the year? Just some guy that can play point guard that isn't neither here nor there. Um, and that would be a shame because while it would be difficult for me to list you a bunch of point guards that you could have gotten instead of Ray J, you seemingly went all in on him and you didn't get him despite what I would assume to be the biggest NIL offer. So that tells me there was a bit of a miscalculation. I don't think that you can play the odds like that when you already learned last year Without a good point guard, you're kind of screwed. Jaden Epps was not really a point guard. I'm not going to sit here and say if Jaden Epps is on this team, we're immensely better. We're a little bit better. You would have a steadier hand at point guard, but I, I think we all understand he was a combo guard doing the best he could. And sometimes he did all right. This, unfortunately, can go down a rabbit hole a little bit where we can look at the Sky Clark situation and say, that really screwed us. Not just with the Ray J situation, that you wouldn't even even needed to go out and get a Ray J Dennis if Sky was still here and everything he was cracked up to be, everything that the coaching staff wanted him to be. But this also feeds into Jeremy Fears, who's going to be on a very good Michigan State team. And while you would have yet, yet again been running with a freshman point guard if it was Jeremy Fears... That's better than what you have right now, which is no point guard. Can you do a by committee thing with Coleman, Ty Rogers, Shannon, Harmon a little bit, I guess, sincere. I, you can try. 
But is that a team that's destined to make the second weekend? No. You remember the tournament. Kansas State really stands out. And the little guy's name escapes me at the moment. But why did they make the Elite Eight? The little guy. He was incredible. A point guard that can do everything. How did Fairleigh Dickinson beat Purdue? Yeah, they were scrappy as hell. It was one of the most incredible upsets. But their point guard really was the motor that got everything going for that team. We don't have that right now. And... I bet there's a little bit of nervous energy from Terrence and Coleman. Now, they're going to get paid. And I think that they understand, too, that next year, regardless of point guard or not, uh, they are the dudes on this team. And I think they're both going to embrace that in different ways. But you don't have a point guard. And, and that does reflect on your coaching staff at the moment. Not to say it can't change. I'm trying to be fair here. But we can say that the two out of three that you got in the last 24 hours are massive. But we can still say that this team is not going to reach its full potential without a point guard. And striking out on Ray J. Dennis, whatever the circumstances may be, that is a miscalculation from this coaching staff. You could have moved on. If this was trending that way, you could have moved on a couple weeks ago, painful as it may have been, and said, you know what? If we can't get a commitment from you, regardless of what Hawkins and Shannon are going to do, regardless of the money that we're going to throw your way, okay, go find somebody else. Hopefully this, this conversation is null and void in the next week. It might be. Or we might be sitting here quietly for another two months and waiting for the, the point guard sweepstakes to unfold, of which right now I don't have any names for you, and uh, I just hope that someone more in the know pops them out sooner rather than later. Because I'll, I'll get antsy. If we don't have a point guard, a true point guard, then I, I don't think you can say Big Ten champions. I don't think you can say surefire top 20 team borderline top 25 right but you know keep in mind despite all the experience and despite Shannon and Hawkins you know I I I can't go so far as to say anything's guaranteed with next year's team there are still some unknown quantities and specifically unknown together we don't know how this all shakes out and there is something exciting about that and I will say for sure it is less less of a risky roster than last year because of the age Last year's roster roster was tantalizing, but what I did not do a good enough job of was recognizing that the youth might in fact be a problem, that the extreme youth and the old guys, how does that mesh? And it didn't. It just didn't. So questions remain, but thank God the the floor is raised and uh, the clarity provides us fans, I think, with a totally fair expectation, make the damn second weekend. You got to make a run, man. <laughs> it does, I think, make me wonder, and I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm not a donor. I'm not in the icon collective or anything like that. There are people ponying up big money for Illinois to be good. It worked for football. I mean, you got your two stud defensive linemen back. Why? Because they're probably each making well in the six figures to come back and do that. I know that Illinois fans are are crazy enough to continue giving money, and God bless them for it. I think that's really cool. I'm glad that these revenue sport players are getting paid the way that they should. But if you are one that is giving a lot of money and you are not seeing the postseason success, I would be... I don't want to see this result, right? I would much rather make a run next year, really let this program fully settle in and feel like, okay, we are well on our way long-term with Underwood. But I think that there is a fair question to be had that for these people spending thousands, tens of thousands of dollars to keep or lure players in, 
March performances like that are not going to work. This makes me wonder, the entire paradigm of college sports have shifted for athletes mostly. Do they shift for coaches as well? We see the SEC in football has no problem getting rid of someone, including Ed Orgeron, two years after winning a national title. They have no problem with that. And we can laugh at that and say, well, that's ridiculous. But on the other hand, the amount of money that's exchanging hands here and how we are basically talking professional sports, the loyalty thing or sticking it out, that doesn't play anymore in the way that it used to. And I think that a lukewarm seat would be totally fair if you have another March stinker next year. No pressure, Brad, none. But I'm just throwing it out there well in advance that something that might seem foreign to us at the moment and borderline ungrateful. And if I sound ungrateful, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm grateful that Illinois basketball is at this point. But, hell, he is one of the top paid coaches in college basketball. So now we need to start performing that way when it matters the most. So I guess we're going to be blue in the face until next March. I mean, it's June 1st. So nine months from now, when we get back to March of 2024, the conversation is relatively going to be the same. Now, I was thinking about this on my run today, about how I am overall happy with name, image, likeness, and and feel like Illinois is in a really good position for that. But it does change fundamentally our relationship with college sports. Um, I don't know if there's going to be any Illinois basketball team, for example, that's going to endear themselves to the fan base the way that 0405 did. And that that could go NIL or not. I mean, I don't think that that this NIL phenomenon (laughs) um, completely, uh, I should say, is the reason why I would even broach that hypothetical. But I I bring that comparison up because 0405, that team was something that had been brewing for two, three years. They came in as a freshman with Brian Cook. Some of them were sophomores, Luther and Roger. And that thing built and it built and it built. And the relationships the fans built with the team were very much different than what we're going to experience now. Let's say this team goes on to have a lot of success. Of course, we're going to have a hell of a good time watching it, right? But will it even feel as good as, let's say, if Iowa and Kofi had had success back in 2021? I think the answer to that is no, because there's not as much of a knowledge of a good chunk of your roster. I mean, we'll still be learning these guys and their games and what they're good at and what they aren't so good at in January and February next year. So the NIL thing, while Illinois is sitting pretty compared to other programs and most Power 5 teams, you would much rather be that than a mid-major in this climate. I think as a fan, it's okay to kind of question, okay, what is my relationship with this sport? I'm not really watching student-athletes anymore when it comes to revenue sports. Not big-time revenue sports. We are not watching your traditional amateur athlete anymore. These are guys now that are accepting significant sums to come play. So if Terrence and Coleman have really bad stretches next year and they don't take on the leadership roles and nothing really changes, well, what will the fan reaction be to that? Last year, I had no problem criticizing Matthew Meyer, and I did often. And my rationale for that was if you're going to come into this thing for a year and make a crap ton of money, which by all accounts he did, then you should show up every night. You should be a better teammate than what you're doing. And I thought that it was just, it kind of reflected on his character that you accept all this money 
And some of the times out there, you're just half-assing it, including the last game of the year. If anyone think that, thinks that's unfair, I'd say, well, watch the tape. And you all remember the NCAA tournament game where you literally benched Matthew Meyer because you had to. His head was so far up his butt, he shouldn't have been on the court. And yet he still was laughing all the way to the bank. And yeah, that, that that's a bit of a problem for me. Then I wonder, back to the NIL thing and the big donors, let's say that they continue to give money, but then even if you're getting big names, they aren't performing up to potential. Then who gets the blame for that? The coaches, I would assume, are the ones that are going to be right up against it. It's just really going to be fascinating over these next five years, maybe 10, maybe more, to see how coaches figure out this NIL thing. And I will say that Brad Underwood, I think the biggest strength of this offseason outside of bringing back the two biggest pieces is that he was very targeted with the veteran players that were available. I would have loved some more two-year eligibility things, but beggars can't be choosers. I think what he got overall was really strong. And I guess Justin Harmon could be a multi-year guy. So that, to me, was a really good adjustment by him. I get the feeling that these coaches will be constantly adjusting as they go through all this, though. All right, so before we get out of here, um, we will be back whenever there is a point guard announcement of some kind. I don't know when that's going to be. Um, it's weird. Summer vacation hit. I'm a teacher. Of course, I'm now going to concerts and playing concerts, which, by the way, were Poor Brothers on Saturday night. And uh, for me, the off season, it can be sometimes hard to get latched into it. And what I had to do really the last five, six weeks, and I think a lot of Illini fans did, was just sort of detach and wait for news to finally hit. I mean, I noticed yesterday when we were waiting for announcements, it was, Jesus Christ, can we can we get on with it? You guys know what you're going to do. Why are we waiting? Maybe they were, in fact, negotiating up to the 11th hour and making sure they got every bit of money they could, and kudos to them for that. That is how you should do it if you're in that position. But uh, it certainly was a five or six weeks that just, huh? I mean, some stories came and went. Some rumors came and went. Ultimately, it is hard to imagine much better of a result because you brought back two really good players. At the moment, you have a pretty damn good roster. To be great, though, you need a point guard. And that, of course, is the story going forward. Tale as old as time for Illini basketball, unfortunately. In the post-D Brown era, you got to get a point guard. And we've had a couple. But it seems like some potentially good seasons have been derailed because of the lack of a really good point guard. So hopefully we don't come up uh, to that sort of situation here this year. But something to watch in the next week or two. I would imagine that the Icon Collective and all the RJ money, uh, you wouldn't, of course, use all of that for a lesser player. But you can use a good chunk of it. And you need a point guard. So money talks. Get it done. All right, before we get out of here, got to remind you, DPDO online at dpdo.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdo.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. That's dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. For life, auto, home, business renters, you name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call today at 217-841-4728 and get your AC checked out. It's going to be a long, hot summer. They checked ours out. It's purring like a kitten. Thanks to the folks at Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, 217-841-4728. 
Champagne Showers Podcast Network. Appreciate them. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, whether it be on YouTube or listening at home in your car, wherever you listen to us. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you can. That always helps out. And we will be back, hopefully sooner rather than later, for some point guard, somebody that can facilitate what could be an awesome offense with all the pieces you got. Who it'll be, no one knows. But with this ever-changing landscape, I get the feeling that some names will pop up rather soon. In the meantime, everybody, stay cool, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 Level.